hey, hey, hey. So she's got, so here's the deal. Uh, Julie is interviewing me because I, I couldn't be up here by myself. So she is interviewing me. So we've gotten together and. Um, I'm kind of like the guardrails on a bowling alley. Oh, yes. Yes. Stay in the lane. Stay in the lane. Yes. I love the song we just sang about, I've witnessed it, because I've witnessed it for almost 47 years of, no, I'm not 47 years old. I've been walking with the, yeah, but I've been walking with Jesus for 47 years. And, um, but you know what? He was even faithful before that, when we didn't know it. Okay, I'll be quiet now. Are you hitting the, I'm hitting the rail already? No. Oh, okay. Was it the look? I don't know. Sorry. So a long time ago, about, uh, I don't know, you, she knows the years. You'll see. Uh, so I met this lady who's an amazing woman. Um, she became a, a friend, um, and then she became a, a confidant. And now it's almost like she's like a, a mom. Oh. Uh, I have no biological daughters, but spiritual daughters. She has a few. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm called one of them, I think. I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Just checking. Just checking. Just checking <laughs> with your buttercup. Uh, so um, I started coming to Praise Fellowship a long time ago. I was number 19. And um, I was 19, so I'll never forget that number. Um, and then it wasn't long after that we had lots of people coming. I started to come to this church in 95, and I think you started in 96. Yes. So it wasn't but long. But not regularly. Right. Not re sporadically. So when did you first come to Praise Fellowship, Miss Dorothy Gear? It was Columbus Day weekend. Of course. 1996. See? Get used to this. <laughs> She'll probably know the hours of things, too. So. No, I'm not that bad. Um, and uh, we... Um, we heard about it through Pastor John and uh, Marianne Agricola, who nine years ago moved to uh, Ohio. But they told us about praise, and um, uh, initially it was like, we're not going to drive an hour one way to church. Right, honey? Right. And, um, but uh, we did come uh, for some events from that October till the following uh, year uh, summer when we came to the rejoice festival but um and then the next week rich said well we'll we'll drive up to russell and then the next week we drove to russell and uh um i remember john said john agricola said so are you guys going are you now going to praise i said i don't know i'm afraid to ask him so anyway uh and this is back when it was a pet store yeah over on the corner yeah but um, we've come a long way since then. So how many years do you think you've been going here now? Uh, blah, 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 blah. I want to say 28? 20, 20, 27. 27. Yeah. So um, we've been through some hiccups and uh, uh, challenges along the way. and uh, um, But through it all, through it all, like we, we've learned to trust in Jesus. We've, if I start quoting songs, um, which is... Probably I can't help myself. Um, I, I, all the laws, am I breaking laws? Am I, am I breaking laws doing it? 
Okay, I, okay, I don't want to break law. Okay, what are we starting with? We're going to start at the beginning. Okay. How about we start there? Yeah, okay. Nothing Seems like a logical place to begin. So, um, Dorothy Gear was born. Uh, in. We don't need to say the year no. or the time. No. But a long time ago, yeah. Dorothy was born. Yeah, and not in Pennsylvania. Not in Pennsylvania. I'm sure we can tell by the accent. Walk, talk, coffee, and water. Please don't say Boston. <laughs> Please don't insult me and say Boston. New York City. Why don't you tell us about your, your childhood, your upbringing? Okay. So um, I am an only child, and uh, uh, <clears throat> I have no, my parents got divorced when I was very young. I have no memory of ever being a family, but, or, but there is a, one photo of me as a uh, maybe 18 months old, two years old. And, and she was crying in the picture. I was crying in the picture. <laughs> Um, but um, my, my parents were functioning alcoholics, and so um, uh, it wasn't long before their marriage ended. And um, I, now this is what I was told. The court said I had to go to boarding school. <clears throat> I never asked anybody why, uh, but I went to boarding school. And um, At what age did you start? Um, four. And uh, uh, actually started kindergarten in May at four. Then I turned, uh, and then I <coughs> repeated kindergarten. But anyhow, um, so uh, pa my parents were functioning alcoholics. Uh, my dad was a happy drunk. He was just a sweetheart. My mom was a very mean, um, vindictive, and... Um, uh, unforgiving, very unforgiving. Um, by the time, well, by the time I was 18, my mother had 14 addresses. That was worse than being in the military. Um, so, uh, but um, we bebopped around, and in those years, some of those years, my mom had um, some boyfriends, and life was um, uh, not what a little girl should have witnessed or been a part of or, uh, scarred with images, but uh, I've done, done a lot of inner healing, folks, a lot of inner healing. I highly recommend it. Um, but in it all, in it all, the Lord was just so faithful to me. And, um, and I remember my mom saying, I will never forgive. I will never forgive. Um, and that, that took some root in me, which we'll find out later. So I went to boarding. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so... If we could summarize this, oh, okay. how many years would you say that this was your life? Um, probably till I got till married. Till you graduated. Okay. Yeah. So you were in a situation where both of your parents are alcohols. They were modeling unforgiveness, mm -hmm. um, and you really had no model of what good relationships were. Ouch. Ouch. So do you attended that same school all the way till you graduated then? No. You really want me to tell us? She's, okay. For all the world. There's a really hear. good story in here. Oh you got it. <laughs> it's entertaining. Luke, wherever Luke is, he could tell it. He's probably up there somewhere. Um, but um, in 1964 or three, four, when the Beatles came out, I just sort of went a little loopy for the Beatles. And in school, I just checked any box, circled any A, B, C, D, E letter. I didn't care. And I had to repeat seventh grade. So there. 
out. It's, it's out, out in the there open. For everybody. Now, what everybody knows, I had to repeat seventh grade. So, <coughs> Julie just thought that should be included. I just thought it was cool. I have yeah. to say it. Mercy. Mercy. Thank you. So, you graduate. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be humble. You graduate. Yep. What year? 1970. Okay. After that, did you go to college? No, I married that fall. Oh. And, um, uh, yep, um, got married, and uh, 16 months later, our son was born. And because of what was modeled to me, uh, um, well, first, I, no, no model of a, a marriage, but the unforgiveness was, uh, was there. And um, Mind you, this is not her current husband. This is not, this is not rich, so I don't want anybody to think Did that's you know rich. this? Oh, did he know? He knew. <laughs> he knew. Yes, he knew. He knew about, listen, he was engaged three times before I, I married them. Yeah, that, that's his story. That is not my story. Okay. We're in the lane. Okay, lane. Stay in the lane. <clears throat> but anyhow, um, bet you didn't know that, folks. <laughs> anyhow, um, so um, my husband, first husband and I, um, we just right out of the gate we had issues and um, over the course of we were only stayed married uh, less than uh, four years and uh, um, there was physical abuse um, I've been encouraged to be open and um, not to be not to shock and awe but just just maybe it'll mean, mean something to somebody out there um, uh, I, he broke, he threw me across the room, broke my collarbone, and um, another time he pinned me to the floor with a broken bottle, uh, jagged edges, just face, inches from my face. And the worst part about that was, was our son was just a few feet away, screaming and watching it and crying. And he would wake up, because of that, he would wake up for two to three years every night just wanting some juice but it really was the reassurance that mom was okay of course dad was gone by his dad was gone by then so um, there was also infidelity um, uh, probably I'll never know this side of heaven how many times but it was there even I learned after because I did get an annulment from the Catholic Church but um, even his own dad was interviewed and testified that uh, uh, the week before we were married, he was even with someone. And his father even said, why are you getting married if, you know, get it, if, you know, if you're not ready to settle down. So, um, but you know what? I had to forgive that man. I did. When I came to Jesus, I had to forgive him. And I just saw, why did he do the things he did? And why? But there was a why. You know, he was the oldest of five kids. His dad was a alcoholic also he took the beatings so his sisters didn't have to endure so there was a lot of wounding there now um, sadly um, in 1983 um, he was tragically killed in a construction accident he had remarried and had a son and um, we had communication you know but um, so that's so in this stage Let's just recap. recap. You are married and no longer married. Mm -hmm. You have a son. Mm -hmm. You are now a single 
mom. Right. And now you are having to be on your own, mm -hmm. do your own thing, work. Mm -hmm. uh, so your mom kind of comes back into your life mm -hmm. to help you mm -hmm. through this single parent season. Yes. Is that right? She was in a good place. She was um, sober and holding down a job. She was a nurse. So she moved in with uh, my son and I. And um, things were good for a while. Mm -hmm. So how did you come to know Christ? Because oh, this right. was the time when you it's just you and your mom and right. your son. Right. It's kind of like some TV shows. Anyway, uh, so it's, it's just you, your mom, and your son right. living on your own, mm -hmm. just the three of you. And you, how things do you... Things are going fairly well. Yeah, how do you come to Christ in this time? Well, she relapsed, and she ended up being in a detox center. And... Um, so there was this woman that worked for a big office, a law firm, and uh, um, I, I heard that Linda was religious. <laughs> so she was religious. She didn't wear pants. I mean, she wore skirts and dresses and oh, stuff. that's right. Let's just be clear. <laughs> she was dressed. She always wore dresses. Right there. Okay. That's Shivers, shivers. I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, in the, in the lane. Lane. so uh, then we, uh, so I asked Linda, I said, Linda, would you pray for my mother? And she got out a pen and paper. What is her name? And I told her, and um, I said, she's, you know, at such and such a hospital in the detox ward. And she said, and she wrote it down, and she said, can my husband and I go visit her? And I was like, what? Yeah. And uh, I was flabbergasted. I was almost speechless. And she, uh, um, she and her husband went to see my mother that week and uh, in the detox center. And then after a week or two, my mom was released. He might, they might have even gone to see mom twice. But she invited us to church. And her church was, whoa, far away. We lived in Connecticut. And it was, well, I'm going to say it was probably an hour or so to get there. That was just a test run for years yeah. to come. Anyway, um, <coughs> um, so we went the first week, and I sat there white-knuckled at the altar calls. I'm not moving. I'm not responding. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And that was fine. There was no pressure. And then, then next week, I saw her at work, and she said, Tom and I would like you to come to dinner after church next Sunday. So it's like you have to go to dinner. You have to go to church first to go to dinner. Okay. So we're, we're going, and we're backing out of the driveway. And I hit a mound of snow, and I get hung up. And I am, I am, I knew in my limited knowledge of somebody didn't want me to get to church. I didn't tell you this. But anyway, um, there were some kids walking by, and I said, would you guys just push the front of the car? I know I can get out of you. Give me a little of it. And they did, and we were almost late for church. And... Um, that Sunday, Mom and I, it was February 13th, 1977, and uh, obviously it was a Sunday. Anyway, um, and we didn't respond during the service, but after the service, somebody, uh, Tom, uh, came, uh, Linda's husband, Tom, and said, Dorothy, wouldn't you like? And I said yes. I didn't know what I was saying yes to. Walked the aisle, one of the elders led me in a prayer. I was bawling my eyes out, and I did feel something from the head, top of my head through, course through my body. 
and that is real. Now, I realize it's not everybody's experience, so don't diminish yours because that didn't happen, okay? Uh, and don't make that a requirement of, your, of the Lord, even. Um, but that was my experience. And, and your mom, too. And my mom, too, yes, absolutely. And there was just so much joy and in the house after that for a season. What are we doing? Continuing? So, well, okay. so there, so you have this turning point. You have redemption I, right there. And oh. you have 12 years, essentially, of singleness. Is that right? Yep, in that time. In that time. But um, Mom and I had to part ways. There was uh, one particular episode. I know I told you the story. Um, it was the fall, and I was driving home from work. And I noticed about a, a, a half-mile, quarter of a mile ahead of me, the car in front of me was driving on the wrong side of the road. So I accelerated. Fortunately, there was not a lot of traffic, and I got close enough to realize it was my mother with my three-year-old son standing in the back seat because they could stand up then, and he was small enough and young enough. And so, needless to say, she had uh, resumed drinking again. And I, I won't tell you all the horror stories where she'd call me at work and say, I can't find him, I can't find him, you know. Anyhow, I said, we took him to the preschool this morning, Mom. So, the, but the one, that, the driving on the wrong side of the road was the story that broke the camel's back, and I could not. Um, we just had to part ways, and Mom was not happy about that. Unforgiveness came Unforgiveness, back. Unforgiveness, yes. And, um, and uh, so um, she moved out, but uh, things were, it didn't stay rocky, but, it's, uh, but it was for a season and there. So in this 12 years yeah. of seeing all this, you really were seeking after Well, Christ I was. And, and, and led you to let, CFMI? Let me, yes. So I'm going to a great church, and, but I was a single parent and had bills, and there were the young, my age, but... Uh, getting to go to places like YWAM and Christ of the Nations. And I'm like, oh, I can never do that. I could never do that because I'm a single mom. Um, because back in that era, back in the 70s, there were, there were 150 people in church and there, were only one, there was only one other single mom and myself. And they didn't know what to do with us, really. They, the 50-foot poles were not long enough. They had 100-foot poles. And, um, but now, um, uh, it's sadly, it's a, a demographic that uh, is, uh, there's more resources for. But anyhow, um, so, uh, but I was going to a great church, like I said. And so, one day in the mail, let's say my last name at that time was Smith. The mail comes to Dorothy Jones. I can't, so, I shouldn't have gotten this piece of mail but it was the Christ of the Nations magazine. And so I'm like, maybe I can do this. And so I sought the Lord, I fasted, and um, put some fleeces out there to him. Like my, parent, my family could never say, you're crazy, you can't do that. And they never did. Somebody rented my house. It made no, it, and you know, for the two years I was gonna be gone. And the best one was, was, uh, I said, Lord, I have to have a job waiting for me in Texas before I leave Connecticut. Now, in this day of technology, that would happen easily, but not back in 1981. And 
but he did it sovereignly, supernaturally. Um, so clearly he wanted me to get there. And so I went to Bible college, um, got tremendous inner healing, and a, I think one nugget that I took from uh, going to Bible college was, um, don't, don't tell me, I'll remember it. Um, Lord, Lord, I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. I think when it all shakes down, that prayer, he's going to answer that. I can tell you that he has answered that, because, um, and he'll do it for all of us. Um, if you want to hate what he hates, you can read what he hates in his word, but we'll get to that. But um, he, uh, and I want to love what you love, Lord. I want to love your word. I want to, I want to, I want more of you. I want to go deeper. I want um, all that you have for me. No holding back, no holding back. So um, getting ready to graduate in that last semester and uh, they announced at Christ of the Nations that it, they have international schools. They have one in Jamaica and Germany and Japan and a couple other places. But they were announced that they're going to um, open their first U.S. school on Long Island, and uh, which was sort of my neighborhood. Um, and um, I had other students saying, you should apply, you should apply. And I'm like, why, why, why? And um, so I did fill out an application. And um, at the time, I was working for um, a, a sweet woman uh, Betty, Betty Boop. whom I chose to love. Does anybody remember Betty Boop? A show of hands. Oh, not this side. Oh, okay. Look at them all. Okay. This was her in the flesh. I kid you not. <laughs> I, I cannot make this up. She was in her 50s. She had big blobs of rouge. She had cur spit curly hair. Um, she smoked uh, the longest cigarette they made. She wore a mini, a mini her, all her dresses were mini, and she wore stilettos or heels. And so, oh my gosh, it was Betty Boop. And anyway, and big dangle earrings. I can't forget the dangles. Anywho, um, and she was Jewish, hello. <laughs> I forgot that. Hello, Dolly. So um, I could not please this woman. I couldn't do anything right. So after uh, six months of misery, I wrote a letter of resignation. <laughs> I didn't tell you this. Anyhow, but I'm watching the clock. I better hurry up. Really? Oh, so anyway, it ended up that when I was having my interview, which is the only reason I think I had the interview for a job uh, on Long Island, was that I worked for her and the, and the, and the, Christ for the Nations bought their mattresses for all the boys' dorms from her. So he sees her name. He calls her up. She gives me a good review. Oh, after, after she wouldn't accept my resignation. That's, I forgot that part. Hey, what are you sitting here for? You're supposed to keep me on track. Okay. Um, shivers. Anyhow, uh, so uh, obviously she didn't. She didn't keep my. Uh, she didn't accept my letter of resignation. And things did get better. Might have had something to do with me deciding to love her and forgive her and all that stuff. So, um, so uh, anyhow, I get the interview. I get the job. I'm going to be secretary of the business manager. And um, so we pack up uh, lock, stock, and barrel from our little. Well, and you were saying the likelihood that you would get that position is like slim oh, to none. right. And um, because he said, why should I give you this job? You're a liability. You have a child. Now. Could he say that today without a lawsuit? Yeah. Heck no. 
jolly green giants. So he, he, he got away with saying that, but um, he also hired me. So we get to Long Island, and um, that's the summer of 83. And um, we get through, and that is the, shortly that fall when his dad did pass, David's dad passed. So um, in the fall. Y your son. My son's yeah. dad passed. So uh, during the course of that year, um, I answered the phone at Christ of the Nations, and I also took care of all the applications that came in. And so Richard Gere's application came across my desk. And... Uh, um, and so he called the school on several occasions because he wanted to inquire about married housing because, like I said, he was engaged a few times. And this was one of the times. So <clears throat> I don't handle married housing, but we talk about uh, some other things. And, I and he was like your favorite person, right? Well, he was fine on the phone. But anyway, so <laughs> when he got there... So, oh, I know, he even wrote me a prophetic word and mailed it to me, and, um, uh, which was weary, not, and well-doing, you know, that one. Anywho, so, um, so he comes. Now, registration day is, I can't say it in church, but it's really a rough day. And um, uh, so he came at 5 to 12, which is lunchtime. So he came to the window, and he said, so you're Dorothy? And I said, I will say it for him, because uh, he, he, anyway, I, I said, no, my name is Dorothy. I don't have hinges. I don't swing. My name is Dorothy. And he just looked at me like that. So we didn't get off, we didn't get off on the right foot. So he, I know, so, oh, this gets better. So he says to me, do you want a good, I say, how about, Rich, you come back at 1230, go ahead, go downstairs, have lunch, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to lunch, and come back at 1230, and we'll do all the paperwork. So he said, do you want to go to lunch together? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He is engaged to somebody else. I thought, what a two-timer. So, <laughs> he was in trouble. He was just in trouble. Um, it was, yeah. So, anyway, we, um, we, we go, he goes to lunch, and uh, everything was usually not an issue, except when he would come to my window. You know, the glass window with the cutout and the slide through? Yeah. So it was never an easy transaction. It was always something complicated. He wanted to see my boss because he was in charge of all the ushers. You can't see uh, Mr. Wilson. I need to see him. I said, well, you can't see him. I didn't say he doesn't want to see you now. I just, so I was the bad girl. So I had to say, no, you can't see it. So anyway. Um, so tell us how you fell in love with Richard oh Gere. Yeah. So catapult a year ahead. I'm here for you. Um, and I just started to see, it might have something to do with me seeking the Lord too, you know, praying for um, my dad, my unk, and my son, and the mystery man who God was going to send into our lives. Um, and I just was going deeper and deeper and deeper, and I just started to see him in another light, and um, it was like, really? Okay, maybe, sort of, kind of. And uh, we hung out one day. Uh, we had a drive to Connecticut to, on uh, first for Christ of the Nations, and so we had uh, a bunch of long hours to, so he said, tell me your story. So I told him my story. I know what he said the day before. He said, bring tissues. And I thought, oh, he's going to open up to me. 
Yeah. So then in the car or the, the work, the, the school's truck, he says, um, uh, so tell me, you know, tell me about you. And I did, and I started crying. And I was, he knew I would need the tissues. I don't know how he knew that. But anyway, so we started to hang, started to hang out a little bit. Um, but um, uh, and then a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And before long, we sinned. We fornicated. That is the accurate biblical word. We had sex out of marriage. Anyhow, um, yeah, I did. I mean, it is in the lane. Uh, it's in the lane. But I had to tell him. So I, yeah, so the, the next day, I, now you have to know, for nine years that I'd been loving the Lord, I never kissed a guy, much less, mm -hmm. So I, I mean, this was, I, I, I got it. I, call, I called work and said, I can't, I can't come to work. I got in my car, I took a ferry boat ride over Long Island Sound to Connecticut, and I went up and saw my old pastor, whom I hadn't seen in several years, because, see, I have to confess my sins, which is scriptural. It says, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. And so I just told my pastor what happened, and I thought, you know, everything would be fine. He said, you have to go back and tell the director of the school. Thank you for that empathetic. It really means a lot. Because that was, I wasn't expecting that at all. Realizing I could lose my job. And if it was just me, that'd be okay. But now David is 13 or 14. And so um, I said, okay. And he said, you have to do this, Dorothy. And I said, I will. So I go, uh, that was a Friday, I go back to, and David was on a class trip, all this, when this all happened. And I go back to, to campus, and, um, uh, and I realized that I can't even be friends with this guy anymore, you know, because this has happened. And I told him what I had to do. And um, so what does he do? He takes a, he takes a, a with his roommate, John, he gets on the Long Island Express, uh, Long Island Railroad, and goes into Manhattan on a Sunday. And I have already called the director and his wife and made an appointment to go down and see them at 5.30, 4.30, or whatever, alone. And he comes back, and because, see, he had told me, I can't, I, I can't marry you. You're going to make a, some guy a great a wife, but it's just not going to be me. And that, that is what he had said that morning or the night before. Anyhow, um, you're going to be a great wife. It's just not, so you're, yeah, you're going to make a great wife. Anyhow, so he leaves me and goes, but, and now I'm within an hour of going down to see the director, and there's a knock on my door, and there he is standing, smiling like this, and I open the door, and I said, what do you want? And he said, I do love you, and I do want to marry you, and I said, you don't know what love is, and you don't know what you want. Uh, did I not tell you this? Anyway. Um, oh, okay. Oh, no. So anyhow, we, uh, so long story short, we go down, we tell them, and we pick a, w did we pick, a, had we picked a wedding date? No, we were just going to get married. Anyhow, so um, we pick a wedding date. That was in the summer. I don't know the month. Any, I, yeah, well, 80, 85. 
That's it. No, 86. Sorry. Well, no, it wasn't July then. It was June. So anyway, now it's coming to me. It's coming to me. Um, it was right after your birthday. Anyway, so we, uh, <coughs> we um, but I have to seriously add that before I thought to call my pastor to go and confess, I thought about taking my life because I really thought this was the unpardonable sin, that I had just blown it forever, forever with the Lord because I had been so good for nine years, if I can say that. And fortunately, he didn't peel it back and show me my wretchedness without, without fornicating. I was already wretched. You know, we, we just are. Um, in, case you, in case you didn't know. Um, but we are. Um, but he, uh, so we, we get married, and they're on campus, and it was wonderful and all good and everything. And, oh, shivers. Where did he ask me uh, to there marry it him? Thank you. How did I forget that? I'm sorry, honey. So he kept saying un until the day he proposed, he kept saying, you know, nothing's, nothing's official. We knew we were getting married, but he kept saying, nothing's official until I ask you. What's a girl to do? Anyway, so um, he, uh, I'm, and, and so he said, you can't tell anybody. Well, that was fine. I didn't tell anybody at Long Island. But I did call all my friends that I went to Christ for the Nations with. So I'm calling South Africa, British Columbia, Texas, and other states. And because they had to know, you know. But you can't tell anybody because he hasn't asked me yet. So anyway, so he said, don't make any plans for Saturday, July 27th, 1986. Okay, uh, we're going out to dinner. I said, okay. Oh, it was when you did propose, yes. You, I'm, I was wrong. You were right. Oh, I got witnesses. I was wrong. You were right. I like to say that. I didn't used to. Anyhow, so he, um, so we go, we go on the subway and we uh, change in subways and everything. And it was so hot. There was no air conditioning. But anyway, that's not important. So we we get in. We come out of the subway, and lo and behold, there are Tower One and Tower Two of the World Trade Center. And he took me up to the 103rd floor or the 106th floor and to the restaurant, which was called Windows on the World, and proposed to me up there Bef between, between dinner and dessert. So yes, please clap for the man because that was, that was, the, that was the proposal. But now we go to Austin. Okay. So, so anyway, we had... Oh, are you recapping? What are you recapping? Well, I think that we should talk about how now... Now the rubber meets the road. Now you're married. Now now we have it, okay. conflict. And the, the point that you were wanting to make... Yes. Laundry. Oh, yes. Laundry. laundry. Go. Laundry. Okay. Okay. It does. So it's, we always talk about dirty laundry, but there can be clean laundry. You could have it all piled up and folded nicely here, or you can be the kind of guy that roots around two weeks later and pulls out a shirt from the bottom of a jersey from the bottom of the laundry basket. It doesn't matter. Those are two opposites, dirty laundry and nice clean laundry. The point is you're going to have conflict. And mind you, I had no example of how it was supposed to work. And so unforgiveness 
whatever he did it, it was an issue and whatever I did was not as much as an issue to him. But I'm me and those of you who walk in my circle. Beth has loved me in spite of many years. Anyway, thank you, those of you who love me in spite of myself. But anyway, that's what Rich did. And so we had, we had rough years. Um, when we left Long Island, after just nine months living there and moved to Mount Jewett, we were doing counseling on Long, Isle, on Long Isle. We flew our counselor to Pennsylvania to counsel with us one weekend. That is how bad it could be. And, um, and then we do counseling with the boys as a group, and we do, anyhow, it was, um, it was some rough years. It was, and in the interim, in we were married in 86. In 1990, we brought my uncle, who was showing signs of dementia and early a uh, Alzheimer's, to live with us. And I was still pregnant with our youngest son at the time. So they were, um, it was like it was winter all the time. You know, the winter, the clouds, the no sun. It was hard. And um, uh, what am I supposed to say now? Okay. Prompt me. We all bring laundry, baggage, expectations. You kept saying expectations yes. into marriage. Right. Unresolved problems yeah. come into our marriage relationships. Because they come into our friendships. Yeah. They come into our work relationships, yep. unresolved issues. Yeah. Um, but you were saying that in your marriage, this stuff yes. drove you to your knees. It did. It, it, we were talking about that. Um, recently, um, and we could say to each other that the other one drove us to our knees um, and drove us to the Lord. And because I wasn't going to quit, I wasn't going to leave, I wasn't going to um, bail out. I need my sword. Hurry up. Hey, no fraternizing. But you got to tell us a story about the circle driveway. Okay, okay. the circle driveway. Okay, yeah. Okay, so after whatever fight in 1994, it was like November, and it was cool, and I'm walking our driveway, and I just turned back to the house, and it was, you know, had the lights on, and I just said, it was like a line in the sand, Tim Smart talked about a line in the sand uh, back during First Fruits here, a line in the sand, and I just said, Satan, you will not steal our marriage, and because I uttered that, I knew something was going to change in the heavenlies, and um, I can't give you, I can't tell you that we never fought again. And I can't tell you that every day of my 47-year walk, I read this. I didn't read it. I've only read it through once, and that was because of Dr. Rich. Because if you take his slant, you're going to want to. He's going to make you feel like you're better. Just saying. <laughs> you better read it through in at least once so in a year. But anyhow, um, amen. And, um, and I, I memorized word. Oh, and can I say this? If I ever hear you say I can't memorize the word, I will probably interject 
that you have the mind of Christ and you do hold the thoughts, intentions, and purposes of his heart. And one of his purposes for you is to be able to memorize this. Now, I'm, I, 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 so I'm just saying, when you cultivate a love for this, you are going to be in it. You're going to delve into it. You're gonna, if you could eat it, you would eat it. So, um, so your lesson that you learned is that your spouse is not. Oh, that's right. My spouse is not the enemy. My husband is not the enemy. But we have one, and we know it's Satan. And he is real, and he has a mission to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's never changed since the beginning of the garden. And it isn't going to. It was actually before the garden when he said, all is I wills in Isaiah 9. Anyhow, 9, 6. So in all nine, your struggles, your weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bringing into captivity. Now, when I say that word, I just see a lasso and I'm lassoing that stinking thinking thought and I'm bringing captivity every thought unto, oh, hi, Phil and Mary, uh, unto the obedience of Christ. And the obedience of Christ is this. Prompt me, we got seven minutes, sister. Is it a little Oh, let me get to mine. Uh, Luke's got scriptures. What? Yeah, she did the circle driveway. She the was out and Satan, drew the line. Yeah. Drew the line okay. in the sand. And um, first, and so when you're a sinner like me, um, first John 1 9 is really a uh, comfort. Uh, did I get the right chapter and verse? Um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. I know the whole thing, but just let's ponder on his faithfulness. If we confess our sins, he is. So if I, then he's going to he's gonna forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Just like that, who, I'm not sure who it was that was speaking this morning. If, or do what I say, and I will do what I say. I love that. That is such a good word. And, and uh, one of my favorite uh, verses is Psalm 143, verse 8. In the NIV, it says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Ah, oh, couldn't you just stop there? But the writer doesn't. It goes on to say, for, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for my, I have entrusted my life to you. I just love that. And Psalm 51, cre I think it's 51, created me a clean heart. Have their heads down, and you're not helping me at all. I, oh, 51. I, let me just, Dr. Rich, is it 51? Okay, I'm going to start. I don't know. Jordan this. was sleeping, I think. Children are sleeping? No, Jordan was. Oh, no, he wasn't. Anyway, create in me. Do you know the word create? No, 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 serious now. Create in me a clean heart. That create, if you look it up, it is the same create that is used in. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. And you know what that spoke to me? King David knew he couldn't do it. He couldn't create in himself a clean heart. Oh, did I forget one of my props? Um, uh, so um, God's the only one that can do it. And I recently, well, not recently, last May in the Daily Bread, I read a reading, and it was by, it was, it doesn't matter who it's by. Um, it was uh, Romans 12, 9 through something. And um, they, were f they were fighting and jealous and squabbling. And uh, Paul uh, wrote to them about love. 
and he talked about um, a divine love. Let divine love uh, live in my heart, the kind of love that Jesus had that would fight for the highest possible good for another. And I have, there's tear stains on that page and that, uh, that daily bread because it's by my nightstand and I, I know I pick it up every, day, every week um, because that's how I want to love this man. That's how God has so given me a love that's beyond, you know, it's not the one. It's who you, there, I don't believe there's a one. There's just one person for you to fall in love with on planet Earth. It's, it's who you want to commit your life to and who you want to, and that's what I said in my wedding vows, in our wedding vows. You know, I don't want to be, I didn't want to be rebellious, and I even said that, but okay, we have to. And I, I just want to encourage you, this is alive, people. This is living. You have to eat it like food. You have to be in it. And um, uh, ask the Lord, ask the Lord, again, to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. Oh, I wrote it down here. Let divine love rule in my heart that would fight for the highest good of others. So um, where are we? So uh, when we were rehearsing a little bit, we, oh, we were that, talking I about know. how. Yes, a song. Uh, whether you are, so obviously a lot of uh, what she's talking about is uh, what she's learned in her marriage, marriage is <laughs> marriage, and how, you know, I mean, that's God's design. Like, that's kind of how he set up the family unit, right? And how it's really a, a tool that that the Lord just uses to continually redeem. We were talking about that. Redemption. Just continual redemption in our lives. And can is, I just is, it happens in your relationships. You. Um, redemption. I am telling you, there is... Nothing, nothing in your lives, and I know each of you could share for an hour also, but I'm telling you, when you let your Redeemer who lives into your past, your present, um, it, he will change it. He will change it. If you partner with him, you get in that yoke that, you know, come unto me. If we do the coming, he gives the giving. And, and, I, and just that has been a theme, um, uh, that has been a very precious scripture to me. Um, and um, the strength of rest is in obedience. When you come, he, the strength of the rest that he gives is in your obedience to coming. Do you see? It's a circle. I got to stop talking soon. Hurry up. So, so the song. Is the that what song, you yeah. So okay. Okay. Uh, oh. <laughs> wh where she kind of wanted to go and where she wanted to end is how, I, I mean, even when we were talking about it, I kind of wish that along my path someone had said this to me. So just, yeah, I, yeah, this was just so cool to, to glean David, from her. David Chowder. Chowder? Is that his name? Chowder. Oh, Are we better. hungry? Oh, or? It could be. David, David, David. I know. Chowder, chowder, seafood Chowder. Chowder. David Cowder wrote this song. It's only you. It's and just you and me. Well, wait just a second. Just a second. I'm interrupting now. I'm taking over. Uh, she she was just talking about how you know it in through her marriages and and the the stuff that she's just really had to go before the Lord with 
the stuff that we wrestle with inside, the stuff that we struggle with in our sinfulness and our flesh, and how, I, I, for me, I'm like, oh, it's so simple, and I just kind of wish somebody would have said this to me in all of my years. Uh, Sadiq and I will be married 20 years next month, and, uh, you know, in, in your relationship with your husband, you're striving, or your spouse, I should say, you're striving to serve that person. You're striving to be your best person, and it's, it's, it is striving sometimes. It it's, it's a struggle. But, I mean, even as far as in your friendships, it can be a struggle. There's drama. There's problems. At your work, in the relationships in your work, there can be struggles and problems and issues. And her, her, she summed it up for me in, like, one sentence. If we could all just never lose sight of it's just you and me. In all of that, even the scripture says that for, for wives, that your heart will be for your husband. Like, I just assume that, okay, that's just it. Like, that's just how it's going to be. I'm always going to be struggling with this thing, uh, you know, in seasons and whatnot. But truly, the crux of the whole thing is, is it's just you and me yeah. in this right here. It's just you and me right now in my work, in my friendships, in my marriage, in my retirement, you know, in my raising kids, it's just you and me. Yeah, and if yeah. we can just honor that and, and, and esteem that, that I need to be just with you right That's now, it. just you and me. That's it. That it was just a beautiful thing. I thought, <laughs> all these years, it's so simple to, to just keep that in the forefront of your mind, that that needs to be the priority. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to use your prop? There's still time for props. If you're married, this is a knot or some kind of thing. And when we renewed our vows, at our, when we were married 21 years, and now the question is, why didn't you renew your vows when you got married at 20 years? Because we were fighting <laughs> on the 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary. <laughs> but this is a cord of th uh, three strands is not easily broken. This gold, we're the flesh color, Rich and me, but this is a braid, and that is the Lord. And when he's entwined in your lives and in your marriage, you can't lose. And this is a piece of rebar. Kurt? <laughs> Dave? Rebar. Rebar. And I bought it because this fortifies. And what this represents is the word of God. It's, it's good. You say yes to Jesus, but you, it's, it's, not, it's not. You need the word. You need the rebar to strengthen and reinforce. And that is what the word of God is. Now in Jesus' name, amen.